Good morning. Uh, how many of you are here today? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Better than, okay. Good to have you uh, here to hear from God's Word. Turn your Bible to Joshua chapter 1. And uh, we're going to begin to talk about uh, something that feels very appropriate because it's, a, it's the nation of Israel dealing with the loss of a leader, significant leader for a long period of time. For 45 years. Uh, tomorrow they say that Queen Elizabeth's funeral will be the most watched television event in the history of TV as people all over the world will watch the Queen's funeral. The loss of leaders is, uh, is, a, is a difficult period of time for all of us. Uh, and as we come to the loss of Moses and the transition, you can imagine a very difficult period of time for all of Israel. Uh, if you turn again, well, let me show some pictures here, first of all. So the, this wandering of Israel, you know, had gone on for 45 years throughout the Sinai and up towards, uh, towards uh, the Dead Sea. And, uh, and during the, the end of that period of time, Moses here had a picture of him kind of appointing and anointing Joshua to be his successor. You know, you've got the, if you don't know where Joshua is in the Bible, you know, you've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Who wrote those books? Moses. And the next book is Joshua because it's the transition. By the way, you know what my favorite book is, uh, favorite quote is in the books of uh, Moses? It's where it says in there that Moses was the most humble man who ever lived. And I took great comfort when I found out that Moses wrote that. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but now we come to Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready. You remember Moses was not allowed to cross into the Holy Land because he had, uh, he had struck the rock. God told him to speak to the rock where the water came out of it, and instead of speaking to it, he struck it. And later in the text, it actually, Paul wrote and says the, the, the rock was Christ. And, and he struck uh, that rock, and he was a little bit, frankly, arrogant in what he said at that moment. And because of that, God said, I'm, I'm not going to let you lead the people into the promised land. And so Joshua now gets to do that, and the big event that's happened is Moses has led them right up to the place, but now Joshua is going to take them across the Jordan River. It was Phillips Brooks who said, don't pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger people. Don't pray for tasks equal to your powers, but pray for powers equal to your tasks. Uh, I put a lot of things up, you'll see behind me here, one of the key verses that affected me in my preaching over my lifetime is, is a, a verse where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he said, blessed are you because you have eyes that see and ears that hear. And as I thought about that and reflected on that as I got older, it hit me one day that almost everything in church we do is pretty much geared to the ears. And yet, if you talk to school teachers and others, they'll tell you the fastest growing area of our society is visual learners. And I think, why don't we do what Jesus mentioned to his disciples is having eyes that see and actually using that because if you've studied educational statistics at all, you know that if you see it and hear it together, you have the highest retention rate of probably any way we can do things. So 
Don't be offended because I put words up here. It's not to insult your intelligence. It's actually to reinforce what I'm saying to you. And today I'm going to be showing you some video clips that you'll, you'll understand, I guess, how I work. And you don't have to like it. It's just me. It's my way. And it's the way God made me, so blame it on God. Uh, it said to Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. It says your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river to the, Euphra the Euphrates, uh, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. So kind of looking at a picture here, you can kind of see uh, this whole area that we call the land of Canaan, that this is the area specifically that God promised uh, to his people. Now we come to Joshua's personality because he was a very conflicted leader. In Deuteronomy, you remember Moses wrote that this is what the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never, what does never mean? Have you had times in your life where you just didn't quite feel that God was there? He was. Never leave you, never forsake you. Oh, but I've, I've committed uh, a sin. I've done something wrong. I said something stupid. I did something bad. He will never leave you or forsake you. You can deny him a thousand times, and in his love, he's still going to be reaching out to you and drawing you back to himself in relationship again to restore what you used to have before you messed it all up. Uh, it says, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. We're going to see that a lot. What two, two ideas? Fear and discouragement. Now, fear we understand, I think, to some degree, but what is discouragement? Well, let's think of that. It's to be discouraged. So it's, it's to take away your courage, to take away your ability to have the ability to step forward, to be a leader, to, to take care of the daunting. I mean, we are talking millions of people he was called to lead. And he didn't feel adequate. I mean, who could have felt adequate for that? And because of that, he had trouble with that. So now we come to back to Joshua 1, verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he says, oh, deja vu all over again. That's exactly what Moses told me that God said. And now, God, you are saying this again to me. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Oh, I've heard that before. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and courageous, but look at the promise. You will lead this people to inherit the land. Now, you remember that Joshua was one of the spies who went in, and the spies came back with this report. Fortified cities, large cities, huge armies, people who looked like giants to us. Yeah, you know what? You're going to have all that. I'm going to give it to you. You're going to prevail over all that. It's not going to be a walk in the park. You remember what jo he had to do around the walls of Jericho to get that? You know, I mean, it, it's going to take some time, some effort, some work, but you will lead these people successfully to what I have for them. I like the words of Longfellow. Not in the clamor of the crowded street, not in the shouts and plaudits of the throng, but in ourselves, 
our triumph and defeat. That's true, isn't it? Where's, where's your, your biggest battle? Your biggest battle is inside yourself. You, you know, what's the hardest thing about going to work tomorrow? Getting excited about going to work tomorrow. It's inside you, you know? And, and some of you say, oh, if you knew the people I work with, if you knew my boss, you, you don't... Hey, the battle is inside you. You're, you've got to fight that battle. And he uh, goes on and says, be strong. Verse 7, very courageous, careful to obey all the law. So there's a, you know, be careful to give attention to what Moses taught you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. I guess if I'm doing to your, your, to your right and to your, okay. Uh, is it okay for a Christian to want to be prosperous and successful? Is that a sin? I don't think so. Well, prove it to me. Okay, Genesis 39. When his master saw that the Lord was with Joseph and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, the Lord gave him success in everything. Joseph found favor in his eyes. 1 Samuel 18, David. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. 2 Kings 18. Hezekiah held fast to the Lord, did not stop following him. He kept his commands. The Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. Second Chronicles, how much proof do you need? Second Chronicles 26, Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Nehemiah tw chapter 2, Nehemiah answered them by saying the God of heaven will give us success. Is that enough? Okay, so now he says in verse 8, uh, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So notice that this is an if-then proposition. If you do this, then you will be prosperous and successful. So let's look at the things he says, three steps. Here's first, here's, first of all, A, keep this book of the law Always in your thoughts and heart. No, talk about it. Keep it on your lips. Keep reminding people what God has taught you. Keep sharing. Oh, yeah, but my kids, my grandkids, they don't want to hear it. I don't care. You keep talking to them. People I work with, they'll think I'm a, you know, some kind of a holy, keep talking to them. You know, you can do it in smart and subtle ways. You can do it and just, you know, you may not even have to quote chapter and verse to them. You know, you can just kind of say something that you've learned in your own spiritual life that you could pass on to help people. Uh, it it uh, says, B, meditate on it day and night. Uh, now, this is a key because a lot of people haven't really learned how to meditate well. I'm not talking about transcendental meditation where you hum, you know, you, you, you have your mantra. No, no. That's, it's meditating on God's word is taking a verse of scripture and playing like it's a Rubik's cube. Taking it apart, twisting it sideways, backwards, forwards, and looking at it, looking at the words of it. If you've got some tools there are so many great Bible programs. You've got a great one right from Washington here called Logos that you can buy the introductory one for about $49. Phenomenal tools for Bible study. And you can study God's word and you can look at the different words and what the words mean. 
other places where those words are found, you meditate, you think about it, you keep going over it and over it and over it. And that's, that's part of what it means to meditate. If you've ever uh, been in Israel and you go by a school in Israel, you'll hear uh, in the playground, you'll hear this. It sounds like a, like a hive of bees. And it's the children going out to meditate on their lessons that they've learned that morning where they are out there going over it in their minds and repeating it out loud as they meditate on what they just learned that morning in school. Meditation requires a good bit of work and focus and a constant sense of God's presence uh, to speak to you and help you through the issues of life and then see, do everything written in it. Oh, you wanted to be successful. Okay, here's the deal. You got the Bible. Do everything that's written in it. Really? Honest? Yeah. Uh, fair with people? Yeah. Over and above what, the, yeah. They ask for your coat, you give them the, your shirt, you give them the coat off, yeah. All that. I mean, uh, it's a different thing to do all of it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. Psalm 90, may the Lord our God, here's our prayer, show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, God, make our efforts successful. Now, some of you think that God showed his wisdom when he chose you to be a Christian because you're just such a great Christian, you're so sharp, and God just knew you would be a great believer, so he just, he's so glad to have you, so fortunate to have you. You're not going to do very well in life, by the way, because, you know, it, goes, it says all through the Scripture that God exalts the humble and he tears down the prideful. You know, and it says that if you want to be successful, you pray to God to do that, but then you've got to do your part. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. You think he had a problem? Over and strong, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. You know what I've seen in life that's developed over especially the last few years? Unbelievable levels of anxiety. Uh, I have people I dearly love, people in my family who have had to go to counseling because they've got such a high level of anxiety, not just uh, even adults. I'm talking young people. I, I, I know all kinds of people. I've had people on church staff working with me who are on antidepressants. I have seen the struggles that we are having as a culture are so much inside of ourselves and in our own heads at times. And again, I don't know where you're at on stuff, but you know, is it okay for a diabetic to take insulin? Yeah. Well, then if somebody's got something wrong in their brain chemistry and there's a pill they can take that'll help, take the pill. You know why? Because, I mean, it's just, it's just part of being fearfully and wonderfully made. It's the fearfully part of it. And sometimes you just got to deal with reality. And I'm surprised a lot of times Christians are afraid, you know, what people will say or think, oh, come on, just... You know, get your head together so that you can, God can use you more powerfully in this world. Where do we go when we feel weak and afraid? Well, 2 Corinthians says, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Thank you, Jesus. Not that we are confident in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves. Read the last line with me together. Ready? Our... Confidence comes 
Who? You know, <laughs> it's not that you're so great. It's because God is so fantastic, and he loves you so much, and he wants to work through you. Chapter, uh, back to Joshua 1, verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. Can you imagine how this felt? The, 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 the trauma, the fear, the apprehension, but the excitement. And he said, the Mariners are going to be in the playoff. No. <laughs> he said, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready three days from now. You will cross the Jordan. Wow. God is, friends, hold on to this. God's going to do some amazing things this week because we are here studying God's word together because we want to be people of faith, because we want to break out of our comfort zones. God is going to do great things this week. And so the first step is get ready. Get ready for what God's going to do. Warren Wiersbe used to say, if life is to have meaning and if God's will is to be done, all of us have to accept who we are and what we are, give it back to God, and thank him for the way he made us. I love this quote from my mentor. What I am is God's gift to me. What I do with it is my gift back to him. How are you using your God-given skills and ability to be a blessing to this world. Moses, it goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. God said it to Abraham. Why will I bless you? So that you can be a conduit of God's blessing, a river of God's blessing to the world. It was John Axenham who said thanks to God for a life full-packed with things that matter, crying to be done, a life, thank God, of never-ending strife against the odds, just enough time to do one's best and then pass on, leaving the rest to him. Well, here we go. Here's the question. Will life always be easy? Here's what we see around us. Every great story comes to that moment where you don't know how it's going to change. But it's time for Joshua to get going. Verse, chapter 3 now. Chapter 3, verse 9. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here, listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. Now let's think about this. They've been out wandering around the desert for 45 years. There have been children born. There have been people who've died. And an awful lot of those people of Israel now were not there when they saw God lead them through the Red Sea. They were not partners in what God did with the plagues to get them out of Egypt. And they heard the stories, heard the stories all their life. Hey, here's what God did. Uh, I had an uncle named Bert. was a pastor for... His lifetime, and uh, when he was a boy, he was dying of polio. My grandfather went to the hospital, and my grandfather uh, prayed over him for three days and nights until God spared his life. Uh, I heard that story a thousand times in my family, but I wasn't in the room when that happened. 
And a lot of times what has to happen in our spiritual life is it has to move beyond just what we've heard or read or thought about, and it has to move into our reality. It has to move into us seeing who the next pastor of our church is going to be. It's going to have to move into us seeing God do some special things in our congregation. You know, it's going to move on you in your personal life, praying over something that grieves you or asking God for something significant and seeing that happens. And so now here we are. Here's the map again. And up at the top there, we've got uh, right around Gilgal by Jericho there. Jericho, oldest city in the world. We've got the place where they're going to cross. We've got one problem. Here's the picture. The Jordan River is at flood stage. And we're going to cross it with a couple million people. Anybody see an issue here as a leader? <laughs> Let's go to verse 11. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the, uh, the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth set foot in the Jordan its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Kind of a picture was kind of like this of what this could look like as the priests were going to take the ark now uh, with these witnesses, one from each of the 12 tribes. In Joshua chapter 4, verse 14, 414, that day... The Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests, saying, The Ark of the Covenant law to come up out of the Jordan. Uh, so Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, no sooner had they set their foot on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stages before. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones that had been taken out of the Jordan. The, the people of the tribes were not there to carry the, the ark. They were not allowed to touch it. But they were there to pick a stone that would represent their family and they would put these, what I called the stones of remembrance, these markers. One of the things I did with my kids was I used to take them by places where God had spoken to me, where God had moved in my life, show them the houses we lived in, told them the story of why we lived there, how God supplied places for us, told the story of how we had seen God move in our life. It's important that there be in each of our lives altars along the way, stones of remembrance put out that remind people of what God has done and celebrate his faithfulness to us as families and as people. In fact, if you go by Jericho today, you'll, you'll still see this marker that's out there, uh, go forward one, that says uh, the 12 stones. There's, there's a place where the, the 12 stones were. Back to the text, verse 21. He said to the Israelites in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Think about that. Flood state. Dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan 
before you until he, you had crossed over, the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea, because it says that they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground earlier in, in the story. And uh, the Lord your God did it again, uh, because uh, before us until we'd crossed the Jordan, verse four, uh, 24, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. It was not a magician's trick. It was not a, some phony thing that happened where all of a sudden there was something meteorologically which happened, you know, and, and there's a natural explanation for it. He says, I want people to see the hand of God, the power of God at work so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Joshua chapter 14 now, he, he comes to the end. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of a, I'm not going to read all the Jephunah, Kenizzites, you, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man at God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. They were the only two spies who said, let's go for it. The other 10 voted against it. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I <clears throat> brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me uh, made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. So how old is he now? 85 years old. Since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness, you know, uh, <clears throat> 85 years old. You know, people, there's a Chinese proverb that says people fool themselves. They pray for a long life, but they're afraid of old age. Isn't that kind of true? George Bernard Shaw, you know, won the Nobel Prize for Literature when he was 70. There was a woman, Mavis Lindgren, a mother of three, started jogging at the age of 62. At 70, she ran her first marathon. Convicting a little for me, but anyway. <laughs> at 86, she ran in the New York Marathon, which was her 65th marathon. At 90, the great cellist, uh, Pablo Casal was asked, why do you practice so many hours a day? He said, because I think I'm improving. <laughs> you know? Psalm 90, 92, they will still bear fruit in old age. That's my verse. Fruitful, growing, stay fresh and green. I know I'm green at times. <clears throat> uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, beautiful old people are works of art. In her case, maybe on the inside, I don't know, but then <laughs> personal opinion. Isaiah uh, 46, even to your old age and gray's hair, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. One of my favorite poems has always been these words of Robert Browning in the sonnets of the Portuguese. Grow old along with me. The best is yet to be the last of life for which the first was made. Now, can you all read? Look, we'll have an eye test. The third line. Can you read the third line with me? You ready? The best is yet to be. 
Anybody say amen? amen? Anybody think it's all over with and it's all downhill from here? Go home. We don't need that kind of stinking thinking, you know. We believe that God has got good things in the future, that God is going to continue to work and bless us. And uh, it says, verse, again, next verse in uh, Joshua 14, here I am today, Caleb now talking, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. Well, maybe not. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourselves heard that the Amalekites, the giants, were there and that the, the, their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as God said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has brought, was belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord of Israel. What's the last word? Coming to the end. You still with me? Give me like another couple minutes. And I'm done. I swear, to, I swear I'm done. Pro well, I don't swear. I promise. Okay. Uh, He's, he's 85 years old, and he says, hey, you remember that place I told you that people were like giants and large fortified cities and everything, and yet God said, I can have it, and I'm going to go take it. I don't care how old you are. There's still more to be done. God still has things for you that are significant in your life, and you can make a difference in the life of this church, in your family, and in the places where you live and function in life. Joshua 14, then, verse 15, then the land had rest from war. I'm not sure that's ever happened in the world. I think last I heard there's 27 wars going on in the world right now. It's not just Ukraine. About uh, 11 days from now, I leave to go to Estonia for three weeks, and uh, one of the first places I'll preach is the uh, First Ukrainian Baptist Church of Tallinn, Estonia, full of women and children who've had to leave their homes and come to a strange country. I, I just can't tell you how it affects me to think about what am I going to say to those people who've been through such horrific things? I think you all saw this week another mass grave opened up in one of their cities and the cruelty of, of so many of the Russians to them. God finally brought peace and end to strife. God finally brought success. And so I close with some optimistic views of what can happen in life. Will you pray with me? Lord, at times in life, we just need to believe that there really is hope. We need to believe that uh, life will be better, the sun will shine again, things will get improved. And if you need somebody to help you in your life, if you need to have a God who cares about you, who can give you a new beginning and a fresh start. If you really want to move into the future 
in a rock-solid relationship with Jesus Christ, you can do that right now. It's, a, it's so easy. It has to be easy so that anybody can do it. And if you would like to do that, pray this with me and say, Lord Jesus, today I would like that. I'd like to have a personal relationship with you I want to start down the right road today. And I want you to make my way prosperous and successful and to bless me along the way because I, I do fear you and I will be faithful to you. And his heads are bowed and eyes are closed and nobody's looking around. Respect for each other's privacy, please. If you pray that with me, just put your hand up right now, will you, so that I can pray for you? Yep. Yes, thank you, I see you. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? I'm, I don't beg, please. I'm not going to ask you to stand, come forward. We're not going to sing along. This is it. This is the last time I'm going to ask you your last chance to respond. If you would like to embrace Jesus Christ today, Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you before God in heaven. And we're going to pray for that together. So for the last time, I just, just put it up for just a moment till I see you. And then you can put it down. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? Yes, I see you. Thank you. Yeah. Father, seal these commitments. You said that you would come and you would send the Holy Spirit to seal the decisions we make. I pray that you would seal that commitment right now. In the power of your name we pray in Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together for the benediction. And now unto him who is able to accomplish more than all you could ask or even imagine, because his power is at work in you, to him be all the glory, all the credit, both now and forevermore. In the name of our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, together we say, Amen. Amen.